0: Hi, I'm Jason and welcome back to another correlation conversation and today I'm joined by Mark Garnett and David Levinson from NED group and Mark actually was instrumental in getting this call together, he phoned and said well, let's have a chat. Hi, Mark.
1: Hi, Jason. How are you doing? Lucky. And you? All good. Thank you.
2: Good morning, David. Morning, gentlemen. Morning, Jason. Morning, Mark. Thanks so much for having me and giving me a soapbox to, to share my passion on, on ESG and responsible investing.
0: Yeah, thank you. So, Mark, I mean, you were instrumental in getting this together and you said, well, let's chat to David around ESG investing. What made you say, all right, well, let's have a discussion around this?
1: Sure, just thanks. It's a good question. I think that ESG topic, as we know, it's such a it's a very topical issue. And I think no doubt it's going to become a lot more relevant in our lives. And if one just looks kind of abroad, kind of what's going on overseas, and certainly those guys are sort of way ahead in terms of where we're going with ESG. And I think as you'll see with David chatting, it's his huge passion. David's kind of really become an expert in the field. And I think just to highlight what ESG is all about, number one, just what is the definition? What is ESG? How's it going to perhaps impact our lives going forward? And how's it going to perhaps impact investors? Very, very important themes to start talking about. So I thought what an opportunity You're using your platform just to get the message out and using Dave's sort of skill set, his knowledge and his passion, I think he's the perfect guy to kind of relay the story to you and your, your, and you and your clients.
0: Yeah, I was very excited. Thank you very much. So, David, ESG, what is it? What does it even stand for?
2: Yeah. <laughs> so I used I was an ESG analyst, a Southside analyst, about five or six years ago and got asked that very first question in one of my meetings. And I knew it was going to be a very long meeting, but it's it's okay. I understand everyone has their on their understanding the issues, but it stands for environmental, social, and governance. Yeah. Um, kind of the investment world's um, answer to kind of responsible investing and the broader sustainability discussion. So how do we look to measure these, particularly in the companies that we invest in? So um, as we I think you you might have mentioned, apologies if it was a previous call, the likes of Sustainalytics. You, so you get all these research kind of companies looking at uh, listed corporations through an environmental, social and governance lens and applying certain scores to them. And it allows the investment industry to to gain a deeper or, or a different appreciation for the type of com- the companies that they hold and how they perform from it, the environmental, social and governance point of view, as opposed to just purely the financial metrics. So It's another lens, and it's our industry's participation, like I mentioned, in the broader sustainability agenda as well.
0: So just a quick question, just to go a little bit deeper into what do you mean by environmental, sustainable, and governance?
2: Yeah, sure. So, or environmental, social, and governance. Social, yeah, sorry. That's okay. Yeah, I guess, you know, I... Typically, society likes silos and the categorization, but I think we can no longer necessarily talk about the environment and, and society as mutually exclusive. I think climate change is a great example. It's the one people immediately think of when they think about the E. Um, so climate change, yes, it is a, it's an environmental issue, but it's also a human crisis as well. So just an example of how these these two spheres are kind of being brought together. And I think the COVID, um, the COVID pandemic is a nice example of that as well. And in fact, the the head of the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change, or even the head of the UN said that what the virus has done is actually brought under the microscope into consideration society's relationship with nature. So it speaks to the fact that we're no longer mutually exclusive. Um, So, yeah, so environmental, we look at different companies in terms of their CO2 emissions, uh, their water use. Um, For miners, you'll look at land rehabilitation. So uh, essentially, their environmental footprint, um, and every industry is different, and you'll place different weights on different industries, depending on where their major impacts lie. And then similarly on the social, you look at things like labor and human rights, um, employee turnover, uh, diversity, um, demographic and gender lines as well. And um, again, to use the example of mining, you would look at something like worker health and safety measures as well. And the idea is that if you have a company that's that's taking the environmental and the social issues seriously, you have a more resilient and a more robust company as well that will tick all the boxes in terms of fulfilling their role as corporate citizens. And then governance speaks to, obviously, your board and your leadership that's non-executive as well as executive directors. And a lot of asset managers that we found during our research take on the view that if a company has a strong governance that forms a, a wonderful backbone to the company in terms of the DNA, and typically the environmental and the social can follow suit as well if governance structures are correctly in place.
0: Okay, so you're really having a look at uh, companies that are giving back to the environment and giving back to the employees and really looking after themselves as well as companies that are run uh, smoothly and um, above board.
2: Yeah, exactly that. So. But it's also about just taking responsibility for the we're, the real world impacts of how you invest. I mean, you know, the, I think that shareholder activism conversation has really progressed a lot in South Africa in the last 12 months as investors are starting to pressure companies to perform better um, and to be better stewards of their environment on their social capital. Um, so we've seen at AGMs, the likes of Standard Bank and First Rand and other banks pressure in terms of their lending into the likes of the fossil fuel industry. So it's no longer about your direct impacts, but your indirect as well. So it becomes a lot more uh, complex and convoluted and difficult to to understand. Um, But it's nice to see this conversation evolving in South Africa that, like I mentioned, asset managers, and I guess effectively through our clients, are taking uh, more stewardship of the way we invest and start to realize, like I mentioned, and I think it's a key word for today is the real world impacts of how we invest. So how is this actually
0: playing out? I know that uh, two minutes ago, Mark said that worldwide it's becoming very topical. Um, I do, we do a lot of work with Morningstar who helps look at the funds that we're investing in and they've gone and bought their company called Sustainalytics that this is their focus. But um How's it now slowly trickling into South Africa? What, is the, what are you seeing in terms of the trend? Who's asking for it is what my question really is. Who's asking for it and how do you then say, all right, well, let's do something about it?
2: Yeah, I absolutely love that question. I mean, the, the narrative in the space has largely been driven by Europe. So the, the perception is that they're leading the, the man on the street and their clients and the institutional investors are far more acutely aware of these issues. So they put a lot more pressure on their fund managers. Um, the US uh, changed according to the administration. The Trump administration didn't put a lot of pressure on ESG. I think the Biden administration is proving a lot more progressive and that's via the SEC or the Securities and Exchange Commission as well and also the level that companies report on in terms of the environmental social data. In South Africa it's largely been driven to date by the institutional or the pension fund space. So. For the listeners out there, if you're familiar with the Regulation 28 or the Pension Fund Act, they explicitly mention ESG um, in that space. The, the retail side is moving a little bit slower. So that was one of the big bugbears bug of mine over the last few years is your man on the street is not putting pressure on us. And I was absolutely over the moon to last re- week receive a call from a client asking us to, to, to talk them through all our fund offerings and which one is considered the most environmentally friendly fund on the basis of i think they were looking closely at co2 emissions and then deforestation so like i mentioned okay. we need to get that question from retail clients and we welcome more questions and you know people to touch us more on this because we love talking about it we don't always share the good work that we're doing maybe enough uh, but you know, i think south africa is is definitely catching up with where europe may have been and i think if you look at our economy we obviously Incredibly resource heavy. We're one of the dirtiest countries in the world, I think um, even more so than the likes of China on a per capita basis. So that's largely due to our, our industry and you know our resource heavy and commodity-focused um economy. And then socially, I think we're all very much aware that wealth inequality is a huge thing here in South Africa. I think we have one of the highest, if not the highest, Gini coefficient, which shows the, the variance in the very wealthy versus the poor. So we we at the, the coalface in terms of the environmental and social, for sure. And I think this is why this discussion is very important for, for a South African investor.
0: So two seconds ago, you mentioned the good work that you are doing and you love to speak about it. So What is the good work that is being done that you'd love to speak about?
2: For sure. Uh, before I answer that, maybe I should have answered this in the previous question. So there's something called the UNPRI, or okay. the United Supported Principles for Responsible Investing. Then South Africa locally, we have something called CRESA. So the codes for responsible investing in South Africa. And those are the frameworks and the guidelines that you'll find the majority of managers sign up to. So the work that we are doing, uh, because our business model is slightly different in the sense that we work with sub-advisors and partners uh, to manage the majority, the overwhelming majority of our assets, managing the day-to-day trading, et cetera, and investment decision-making internally. So our role is a little bit different. Uh, We're not doing the stock selection on the basis of ESG criteria or big sustainability thematics, but we work alongside our managers um, trying to thrash out some of the big issues and we meet with them on a regular basis uh, to see where some of the ESG risks in the portfolio as well as opportunities. I think that's also another key message for today that we speak a lot about the risks, but there's a lot of opportunity as well. So, you know, it's about interrogating our portfolios, working with the different portfolio managers and analyst teams to to upscale them in terms of what some of the big issues are. Um, Because a lot of them are either a big house uh, where you'll get a big um, investment management team who probably even have an ESG team of four or five individuals, but who also work with smaller boutiques of maybe the investment team is only five individuals and they don't necessarily have the capacity to have an ESG specialist. So those conversations are, are very much about upscaling them, keeping them up to date in terms of where the best and current ESG thinking is. Okay,
0: thank you. So what would you now interviewing these managers um, and having a look at their different funds and having a look at the impact that they are having, what companies are they investing in and these sorts of things, what would you say is your most important question that they need to answer?
2: That's a very good question that I need to answer. So we, we've tried to to simplify it and I think that's quite important. So you spoke about analytics earlier. So you get these ESG service providers, there's analytics, there's MSCI, uh, True Cost, which I think has been absorbed by one of the big corporations. It could be FTSE, I can't recall off the top of my head. But they will approach you with an incredible amount of ESG metrics that they look at, north of 100 even. So it becomes quite overwhelming for a lot of the boutique managers that we work with. So our message to them is keep it simple. So we at near Group have highlighted... Uh, Four key sustainability themes for the next decade and two social and two environmental, so the two social are diversity. So we spoke a little bit earlier about, you know, gender and demographic diversity, but it's also important in terms of strategic decision making in an organization It brings cognitive diversity, so it's more representative of society. The other social one is labor and human rights which is also, if you're managing a global mandate, becomes very um, contextual and quite politicized. And if you think about the Uyghur population in China and all the chat there around sustainable cotton and human rights violations. So those are the two social, the two environmental are climate change and biodiversity and specifically biodiversity loss. So by keeping it simple, it allows you to monitor your portfolios through that style of lens um, but also engage companies on on those four themes. And of course, we're not telling people these are the four themes they should look at, but it's it's a it's a nudge. Yeah. And and that speaks to the real world implications of how we invest. And I've said that term quite a few times already yeah. today. Probably being the single most important message to our our managers, because I think there's going to become a lot more public scrutiny um, in the types of companies that you hold if they being detrimental to either the environment or society at any part in the world okay cool thank you
0: so just to close off what excites you the most around where we at right now and where you see this going
2: well like I said you know a handful of years ago I was a junior analyst I walked into some big asset managers uh, offices and preached climate change and the eyes kind of roll back in the head and they say who's this youngster t- <laughs> yeah. telling socialist agenda but the conversation has moved so far and so fast that that's probably one of the most encouraging things now is that we're no longer debating whether these issues are taking place or or whether it's important to fund managers but how do we how does it inform our fund and portfolio construction so it is very forward looking although a lot of these 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 sort of issues are actually taking place today but that's probably been one of the more promising things I think we still have a lot of room to move because it's not necessarily always informing portfolio construction in the way that maybe it can. And then secondary to that is uh, the pleasing (laughs) result of the man on the street becoming better informed because of podcasts like this and hopefully push and pressure our managers to do better, including ourselves. And we welcome that. So that's probably my my parting comment. (laughs) Thank you so much. And thank you for spending the time
0: with me just to give a, brief insight as to what ESG is, where it's going and why it's actually becoming more and more important to discuss and to think about when it is when you are putting your portfolios together. So thanks, Dave. And thanks, Mark, for setting this up. I really do appreciate
1: it. Pleasure, Jason. I hope it was very useful and valuable. And uh, thanks for the opportunity. Pleasure.
2: Thanks, Dave. Thanks, gentlemen. Take care. Have a good day.